0: The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump in. How's how's life? You're getting ready to leave for a vacation here pretty soon for Christmas, yeah?
1: Yeah, the 22nd we head out um, just from now until then, I really want to focus just on really just like setting myself up to have an actual trip. And now, for those of you who have listened to the last, let's say, four or five podcasts, you know that I travel quite a bit year to year. But one of the things with traveling is like, yes, I have the freedom to travel because I work online. But that also means like, I can work anywhere that I go. So when I've gone on vacations... It's always been like, okay, I'm going to bring my computer. I'm going to kind of scatter work throughout the day. Maybe it's waking up, you know, two hours before who I'm traveling with just to kind of do some client programs or like video check-ins. Like when I was in Italy, for example, like I'd wake up a few hours before my girlfriend and I was like, I'd go to like the rooftop terrace and I would just be, you know, up there for, and given it was like a beautiful view, it's much better than just sitting in my basement doing them, but it's still like I was working. And so the 22nd through the 27th when I'm going, I want to just make it like a five day, like actual vacation. Like I'll tell my clients like, Hey, we're not going to be doing like official check-ins this week. And while it is partly for myself, I think a lot of it too, is like, it's good for them too. It's good for them just to kind of take the week and realize like I can take five days and just kind of decompress a little bit. You taking five days to kind of decompress, like it's not going to kill you. It's not going to like ruin your results. Like I'll still be accessible. But like, as far as like taking time to actually like have a vacation and like enjoy the Christmas holiday with my family, it's like, that's what I know I need to do. So now it's like, how can I get that work done prior to going? So I'm not sitting there writing like 10 client programs, you know, in the resort.
0: Yeah, you have to do the work regardless, right? And so like trying to figure out something like that, it just means that you have to, front load the work to get it done, to take care of those days while you're gone. But good for you, man. I honestly, I love that. That's one pro and con of doing what we do, right? Like you can work from anywhere that you want to, but at the same time, sometimes when you go on, on trips, well, yeah, you can work, but when you do start working, it kind of takes away from the actual decompressing of the vacation, right? I've fallen into that trap so many times. like, oh yeah, let's travel. Let's go to Mexico for a few weeks, decompress, do our own thing. And then you get there and it just kind of turns into the same routine structure of work all day and you get a a different environment at night, but then you can just kind of start to, it can start to bother you, right? Just to the point in regards to like, man, I'm not actually getting to enjoy because I'm, I'm sitting here working the whole time and it's cool that I can be here. But at the same time, you just get a little resentful towards it if you don't take some of those dedicated mental breaks to where you just give yourself a few days. So I absolutely love that. I think that that's something that I drastically need at this point as well. Like I've told you, we're going to Puerto Vallarta um, in February. And I think I'll try to do something similar to where we're going to go for like six or seven days, but I'm going to try to block out like a good four days inside of that trip, four to five days that it's just dedicated towards being there, not doing social media content. Um, like obviously I'll answer client questions and stuff, which I'm sure you will, if like something random kind of comes through, but having all of the big legwork out of the way. So I don't have to dedicate specific blocks of that time towards work. And I can just be present in the moment, wake up in the morning, not have that little bit of stress in the back of your head. Like, Oh, I've got this, this, and this I've got to get done before I can enjoy, but just be there and wake up in the morning and have the day to, to not have any pressures and just enjoy and truly be present that's so needed for everybody and people who work nine to fives get that in some regard but in this business it if you are intentional, intentional about making that happen it doesn't happen and it will lead to burnout eventually so if there's any coaches who listen to this um Just taking some of that pressure away sometimes and allowing yourself a little bit of time to just enjoy, I think is so, so important And take that from me because I've fallen into that trap over the last eight to 10 years to where I've just pushed so hard that you do become resentful. And when you swing so far in one pendulum, you have to sometimes swing to the other side to find that balance, just like I talk about in nutrition so often as well. And so I love that, man. Good for you.
1: I don't know when the last time like I truly, truly did that was. Me either. And it's, I mean, it just, it already feels refreshing because I can just remember for the past, I mean, ever since I was working, I guess when I was working as an in-person trainer, it was a little different because I could kind of coordinate my days differently. But since kind of moving into the online world, it really kind of has just felt like I've taken a day off here. I've taken a day off there, like Thanksgiving, like, okay, like I won't be going on my computer and stuff. But as far as like taking like a full, like five days off or like a week, just like as a whole, I don't really know like when that was. And for some reason I've always felt guilty about that. Yeah. But then you think of like literally any other job in the world and they get their weekends every single week, they get their Christmas breaks, Thanksgiving breaks. And so it's not like I'm going to be sitting here doing this. like all the time. But it's like my goal for 2024 is like on the big holidays, like Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, kind of those, like, can I coordinate like two, three, four days just to kind of, like I said earlier, decompress, settle down, and just kind of get ready to get back into things. And taking that stress off myself is obviously going to kind of play into how the client sees it. And like, they get less stressed, they kind of realize Oh, like it's okay. Like he takes a break, like I take a break. Like they don't feel like the odd one out for you know going enjoying a weekend. So yeah,
0: really, really pumped for that. Good for you, man. Um, kind of a personal yeah. question, but you're going with your family. Is your family do you have like a a very religious family or a pretty lax family? Like what's what's that environment like? So we grew our my dad. I want to say it's
1: Christian. You can tell by the way I'm wording this. I'm not even 100% sure like what everybody is. Um but I can tell you I went to a Catholic school, brother went to a Catholic school, sister went to a Catholic school, mom teaches at a Catholic school. So we are kind of all Catholic by religion, but I'd say kind of more so non-practicing Catholic just because we don't go and like we don't go to church on Christmas anymore, we don't go to church on Sundays. So it's kind of like we went to school there, but once we all kind of graduated, things kind of started you know, if you want to go, go, but we're not going to be sitting there going every Sunday as like a family anymore. So non-practicing Catholic, I'd say would be like the most accurate.
0: Sure. So you grew up in it, but it's not something that necessarily stuck in regards to like practicing the religious hardcore as you got older. So does that mean like when you guys go, everybody may in Catholic, I grew up in the Mormon church. And so like for us very strict rules right like coffee's bad alcohol's bad but in catholicism you can drink alcohol is that correct is that is it something that's like forbidden or is it something that you can partake in with moderation
1: see i'm gonna be honest with you i got no idea (laughs) like like i know there are religions who are like you know like you said this is bad this is bad this is bad you
0: went to a catholic school how do you not know that
1: and my mom was my religion teacher
0: Oh really? Yeah. So in she your school, taught, she was she was a teacher mm-hmm. in My high school, eighth
1: grade year, eighth grade year. Oh, um. Cool. So I went to a Catholic grade school, middle school, went to a public high school. But yeah, as far as like the studying of it, it was kind of like I grew up in a Catholic school and like study religion class. But as far as like keeping up with it, like what's allowed, like what isn't. I don't um. Know. I mean, I know the very like general basics, but. I mean, I by no means am an expert and I would assume that we can drink alcohol just given that like all the Catholics I know go out and like drink and there's nothing ever okay. said about it. And like, I know there's people who, you know, are, for example, like Muslim and like they do drink alcohol, for example, like, even though it is like forbidden. So sure.
0: Is it one same of with things- Mormons, all religions kind of. Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm like, is it something that is forbidden, but we do anyways, you know, is it not forbidden? And that's kind of why I'm like, I'm, um, I don't want to speak on something I'm not fully like confident in speaking about. So, sure. yeah, I got no idea to be honest.
0: Does your mom still do that? Like does she still practice and go to church on a weekly basis and things like that or not really? She doesn't go
1: to church um or I guess maybe with school. Um so here's the funny thing. We're close as a family but like we're very non-vocal. Like we could all sit at the kitchen table just like eat our dinner and not speak more than like five words. (laughs) So as far as like what my mom does for work, like I know she teaches at a Catholic school, but I don't even know like what she teaches there. So she's taught religion before. She's taught English before. I think she's taught special ed before. So she kind of moves to where she's needed. Um, But as far as like going to church, if she did still go to church, it would be church during the week like that the school goes to not with us as a
0: family so
1: i assume she still goes going like a catholic school but then again i again can't say for sure sure
0: so i like the whole reason for the the religion talk in the first place i was really just trying to get so like when you guys are there will the family relax and have a few drinks and everybody enjoy and things like that
1: yeah so i actually myself i don't drink alcohol that's something that i stopped i didn't know that a couple years ago um i just kind of i had my party phase from like 16 through like 21 and i turned 21 and of course it's like okay like now i can actually go to the bars even it's though it cool feels weird when you're old it, enough. It, it sounds cool and all but like i had been going to the bars since i was 16 and then the weird part is like there's how's only- that wait,
0: wait 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 explain yourself the drinking age is 21 right so, so- how'd that happen
1: well, it's the world it's the world of fake IDs these days. All right. Yeah. And so <laughs> basically it was like I log on to Reddit and I'm like, what are the best fake IDs? And so
0: anybody and that's like, underage, do not take our advice here, but listen to the story.
1: It was like, all right, what are the best fake IDs? And like who makes the best ones? And then from there, it was like, well, what state do I get? Do I get Missouri to like make it seem like I live here? But then I was kind of thinking, if I get Missouri, they're gonna be so familiar with it. They're going to know like the difference. So I was like, why don't I go with like this state over and I'll get Illinois. So long story short, I, I end up with an Illinois ID. I used that from like 16 ish up until it got taken. I want to say when I was like 19 or so, and I ended, I ended up getting a new one, but it ended up getting taken and got a new one lasts me up until until I'm 21. And the weird part here is like, there's only so many gas stations that I go buy alcohol from. There's only so many bars that I go to in the area. You got to be careful, right? Like you got to go to like... Well, I'm 21 now. So like they can't really turn me away. But it's like, you've been coming here for three years showing us an Illinois ID. Now you got a completely different Missouri ID. And you're just turning 21. The exact same, you know. And you're
0: just turning 21 now with the new mm -hmm. one.
1: So that was the weird part. But then I went through like my birthday's in October. So I'd say like October, November, December, I was kind of going out like every weekend, every other weekend. And it got to the point to where I was like, I keep going out. I keep expecting this to be this fun thing that I would love to do. But then it was like over and over and over again. And I can look back and think maybe in going out, 50 times, I would enjoy two to three of those nights. Yeah. So I'm like 95 plus percent of the time I'm waking up. I got a hundred bucks less in my bank account. I could have spent that time like having a good meal, waking up, feeling refreshed, like going to the gym. But instead, my stomach feels like crap. I'm hungover. My head hurts. I'm in bed till noon. Half my yeah. day is wasted. My workout the next day sucks. My calories are half as high as they should be. And so it's just kind of like, in terms of what I want and like where I want to go and just overall taste and enjoyment of it. It's like, I'm doing something that like, one, I don't like spending the money on it. I think it tastes absolutely disgusting. And three, it just doesn't line up just to something that I even, like I sit there and I'm thinking like, when can I go home? Yeah. So I'm like, why do I keep putting myself through this? Then I decided like, hey, I've, it's been four or five years now. Nothing here is going to change. So my drinking might be like a glass of champagne on my birthday. But even that, it's like I'm doing it because it's my birthday, not because I actually like want the glass of champagne. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I respect that 100%. And I can relate in a lot of ways. Growing up, I had a, a fake ID as well. I had an older cousin that was – well, he was only really – a he's just over a year older than me but i had fake id's before that but now i because that would, i would have only been able to use his when he was um when i was 20 because he would have been 21 at that point so but i i had fake id's before that but now i can't remember where i even got them from but anyway there was one um one time we were in washington dc And he was with me and I had one of his old IDs and he had his new one, obviously. And we were going around to different bars and, and the ID was working and we were kind of drunk at this point. And when I get drunk, I get much more extroverted, just a little bit more smart assy Mm -hmm. and lippy. Obviously a lot of people get that way as well, but like just kind of out there and we'll say whatever comes into my mind, like just pop off. And I don't necessarily care who I say it to. It's probably a good reason why I, I don't drink alcohol very often these days. As well, just because that can lead to a lot of drama, and it did back in the day. But we were headed into this one bar, and my cousin went in before me. And like I would make a point to like let him go in, and then I'd give like five, 10 minutes, right? Just to kind of wait and let him get in. Cause I'm getting you go in with this exact same ID that he has, just an older version of the one that he's using. But the funny thing is, is he's six four, like 220, 230. So much bigger kid than I am. And we go, so he goes walking in and then like, I'm kind of drunk at this point. And I come walking in like five, 10 minutes later and handed the ID to the bouncer and didn't really think anything of it. Cause it had worked at like three or four places before that. Nobody said a thing. And like, I get up there and he looks at it and he looks back at me and he, says, this? and he goes, this is not you. And I just look at him like very confidently again, a little bit drunk. Like, yeah, it is like, what are you talking about? And he looks at me and he says, six four, two thirty. And he just comes to stands next to me. And he goes, I'm six, four, two 230. And like, I have to look up at him and he just That's like funny. monsters over the top of me. And I just look at him and like kind of t- stick my head or my toe between my legs and, and just walk off. And he confiscated the, the ID. I tried to get the ID back, but he threatened to call the cops. So I had to bounce, but, but yeah, I always think about that, but I'm the same. I don't, I don't drink near as often these days for, for us. I will socially every now and again, like, Maybe once every couple of months, like if we go out like the night before Thanksgiving, I was in Salt Lake with my little brother and his wife and my wife. And we went out for, for the night and kind of and went to like a couple of different bars and a club and danced and had fun. And the next day, like for me at this point, it's like it's almost two days to be able to recover from it. And so the day after is completely wasted, feel like crap right? Like Mm -hmm. get nothing done productively, especially for me too, as I've expressed on here, a little bit more of an anxious person that first day after drinking, like my, my anxiety is definitely up a lot from just where it's at on a typical basis, just because GABA works on or GABA alcohol works on your GABA receptors and your GABA receptors in your, in your brain are like your calming receptors. And so if you were, if you hit those GABA receptors hard the day after those GABA receptors are this isn't science. This is just the way that I think of it. And I've researched it a little bit and how I interpreted it, but they're they're fatigued, right? They're down. You have to allow that GABA to be able to build back up because and recover from drinking. So that first day after, definitely more anxious, can't really train just because energy's down, didn't sleep well, nutrition is way off. And then that even that second day, so the day after being hungover, like getting back into the gym, I can see there's still a big decrease in performance and motivation. And so I'm very sparing with it. I like to go out and enjoy socially and and have a good time every now and again. But like back in back when I was younger, 10 years ago, man, it was something we were doing like every weekend. And then I went through a big stint to where I just completely stopped like you have, where I, I didn't do it at all. And now I've kind of come back to, well, if there's like, right environment or I'm with people who I haven't seen for a really long time and they want to go out and have a good time, I'll go out and have a good time, maybe like a handful of times per year. But that's basically it. I got to say,
1: I'm very thankful. The years I did drink, I was never the guy who was like, I'm buying everyone shots because I had friends (laughs) like that who were like, they become very generous when they get drunk and they wake up the next morning and be like, hold on. It. I had 400 bucks in here last night. How did I get to like $50? And I'm like, well, you did buy like 20 people's shots. And they were like, for who? And I'm like, everyone. I don't know So Everyone, like you said shots on me and everyone came running over like, but I was never in that position. It, it just really was for me just a feeling of like, I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the way it tastes. I just end up really like ruining, like not just like that night, but the, following day after and I don't know just as a whole this wasn't really all that worth it to me and so I just kind of said like I'll stop and if I miss it I'll go back but I mean I've looked back at it and I'm just like yeah I mean I could have done without this you know a long time a long time ago so no regrets for me on that
0: good for you man maybe one day you'll maybe you'll end up through the same cycle that I'm in maybe maybe not maybe you're just you like how it is and and you're good with what it is, Well, time will tell. Let's hop into some questions. All right, I'm ready. Question number one. I feel like when I eat healthy food in a surplus to build muscle, I don't gain as much fat around my stomach, but it's hard to eat enough calories when I don't add more sugars and carbs to reach a surplus. Do you have any advice on healthy foods I can eat that are higher in calories?
1: Hmm. So I'm going to start with probably the easiest things. And these are just things that immediately come to mind because I've had clients make this comment and ask about it quite frequently because a lot of clients that come in are like, obviously you go through the dieting phase and something I was explaining is like dieting is temporary. You do the deficit, you lose the body fat, you got to work the calories back up. And oftentimes that's been kind of the missing piece. People have never spent the time like, Building the calories back up to maintenance, or even in the, you know, beyond maintenance, like in a surplus. So when we get to that point, it's like, how do I fit in all those calories? The first thing I'll say is look at the meats that you're eating. So I myself, when I'm in a deficit, I'll look at things like ground beef, like 93.7, um, 96.4, 95, like kind of anywhere like in that like 95.5 to like 93.7 ratio. And for those of you who are confused, like 93.7, what it's 93% lean, 7% fat, a really easy way to get more calories out of your meat is just to simply buy a higher fat version. So instead of getting like 93.7, maybe you buy 80.20. And since the fats hold more calories per gram, it's going to add up to more with eating the same meal. The other thing I would say is look into healthy things that you can add into like your shake that don't add a whole lot of volume per se to the meal. So something that I've done recently for myself is I like hemp seeds. Um, I'm not sure people tend to really not know about these, but if you just go to Walmart and like look for hemp seeds, you'll find them. I'm not sure with what type of stuff, uh, like if they're like with the baking stuff or whatever, but it's like 190 calories Ten grams of protein per serving. The rest comes from fats, and I mean an extra two hundred calories just for throwing some seeds in the shake, which add no volume. I'd say that's pretty great. And then the other thing that comes to mind is like something like honey, where it's like you can just sprinkle some honey in your shake, get a little added flavor, and it's just a very simple way to get some more carbs in. Um, and then th- I mean even things like oats or peanut butter in your shake, like these shakes can easily be. 800 900 calories, without even really like fully trying. And then from there, I'll kind of leave it at this. The better eating routine that you're in, as far as like consistent meal timing, it teaches your body to basically become hungry at those times. So like if you're not already eating at consistent times the best you can. I would highly encourage you to do that. So for example, like I wake up pretty much every day between 6 30 and 7 30 just without an alarm. And when I wake up, like I'm hungry because every morning when I wake up, I pretty much go straight to breakfast. Now if I'm eating at 7 a.m. some days, 930 some days, maybe like intermittent fasting some days, your hunger cues kind of get all out of skew. And then it's like it's tough to eat that much because like there is no rhythm for your body so like the more in rhythm you are and the more consistent you are in doing so the more your body kind of learns to accept it and that would be kind of like my just top of my mind like what comes in that's what comes in for me but I'm curious to kind of hear because I know I'm missing some things obviously what kind of additions do you have to what I mentioned
0: yeah so To start, I want to make this point very clear because a lot of people are under this misconception. The question says, I feel like when I eat healthy foods in a surplus to build muscle, I don't gain as much fat around my stomach, but it's hard to eat enough calories when I don't add more sugars or carbs. So essentially from my coaching brain, what I imply here first is that you don't necessarily have a full grasp of understanding nutrition between deficits, maintenances and surpluses at a very basic level. And what I mean by that is if your calories are matched, let's say your, your surplus that you're trying to eat in, um, in a day is you're trying to eat 2,500 calories regard. Let's say as long as your protein level is hit, let's say that if you're eating 2,500 calories, let's say you're, you're just as an example, your protein level is 130 grams per day. If you are eating all quote-unquote – if you're hitting that protein level and eating all quote-unquote healthy foods around that to hit that 2,500 calorie marker, which is a surplus, or with the same types of food that Alex is explaining here, or let's say you're still hitting that 2,500 calories, you're hitting that protein level, but you're adding in more – junk foods, more foods that wouldn't be considered as healthy. Maybe you're adding in some fast foods, some processed foods, um, not as, as many whole foods. Well, at the end of the day, as long as you're, you're still hitting that protein level and that calorie goal, you're not going to necessarily gain more st- more body fat at all, or more stomach fat because you're eating less healthy foods to hit that caloric intake. As long as the caveat here, you're hitting that protein goal of foods. And so I think a lot of people go into this misconception that there are certain foods that are going to cause you to gain fat as opposed to other foods. And understanding that at the end of the day, it mainly comes down to hit staying on point with your caloric intake And then obviously making sure that your protein level is where it needs to be, especially when in a surplus to ensure that you're getting the correct amino acid profiles in your, in your system and, and creating muscle protein synthesis to actually create recovery and building muscle tissue. As long as those things are abided by, you're going to be in a very good position and you're not going to gain more body fat from, from unhealthy foods versus healthy foods. There's a study out there from, um, I can't remember his name, professor Mark Hob, I think is what it is to where he, he didn't experiment to where he ate in a calorie deficit, but he only ate hostess products. He basically only ate Twinkies. And there was like one other pastry that he ate with that, but he kept himself in a deficit over like 30 to 60 days. And he lost, I think it was like seven to 12 pounds or something in that time frame while eating only junk food, but staying within his caloric intake, he still lost weight. Is it Mark Hobb? Professor Mark. I'm looking it it up right
1: now. It says I I believe
0: it was at he's a professor at a Kansas State or Kansas University, mm, one of the two.
1: Yeah, Kansas State. It says he said his diet shows there is no strong definition of healthy weight loss. It doesn't matter where the macronutrients are derived from, as long as essential nutrients are consumed at the recommended levels and the fuel is consumed at a level at or below energy expenditure
0: which is your caloric expenditure.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so there's one example and there are plenty other examples out there. So looking Jordan at this Sides, question, Jordan side did one,
1: the yeah. uh, McDonald's one like yeah. every day for like 30 days. Yeah. That was cool. He I ate think a, this, like, he a, had a
0: big Mac every single day and kept himself in a deficit, but he had a big Mac daily and still lost somewhere between like seven to 10 pounds and like 60 to 90 days.
1: I would feel so gross. Like that's the one thing is like, yes, you can do that. But at some point it's like, do you actually want to do that? Right. Like, I would feel so freaking gross eating right. McDonald's every day for like 30 straight days.
0: Right. And and I'm not recommending that and neither is Alex. Like that's not the underlying principle here. But for you to understand that part of your mindset I'm not saying flaw is flawed. It's just not quite under understanding or controlling the mechanisms that are actually going to control body composition change over the long term. It does come down to that caloric intake. So Mm -hmm. understanding that first and foremost is key. And then obviously to stay with like to hit calories when, when you're on a higher intake, it can be very hard just to eat sweet potatoes, white potatoes, lean meats. And so some of the stuff that Alex mentioned in regards to like getting fattier pieces of, of meats and adding hemp seeds and different things like hemp hearts, I, I believe is what did you call it.
1: Hemp. Yeah, like hemp seeds, hemp hearts, like yeah. honey.
0: Just honey, little... peanut butter, even adding mm-hmm. that kind of stuff to shakes Oats. is is very useful. But one thing that I'm in a surplus at the moment and one thing that I do most nights um, that is, that I, I think a lot of, people with more of a knowledge base or more of an experience level understand and will do as well is, is I, I add in a very carb heavy snack post-dinner. So, um, like through the day I eat semi-healthy right in the mornings, I'll generally have one of those core elite protein shakes. Like the 42 gram ones are expensive as hell from the gas station. But for whatever damn reason, whenever I get a coffee in the mornings, after my training sessions, I grab one of those just because it's convenient. Then for lunch, it's usually like some white rice, um, some 937 ground beef, with some cheese and like a little bit of barbecue sauce in there as well as some a vegetable I'll usually get like some broccoli and cauliflower throw that all in and kind of make like a taco bowl type thing and then at dinner um lately we've been on this kick where we'll have um sh- we'll do we'll grill up a bunch of shrimp my wife will put veggies in with it we'll do some white with some white rice again um and then inside of that we'll throw on it's like called this like ya yeah sauce or yawa sauce or something it's like a like a Japanese type of, of sauce that you can put um, on shrimp and it's amazing. And so those are basically my three meals through the day, the majority of the time. And then for a snack in between there, I'll throw in like some blueberries or something like that. Um, And then at night, like I will generally have seven, 800 calories left over. Well, before I go to bed, I'll usually have a, a bowl of cereal that's got a decent amount, like a lot of carbs. Like right now it's fruity pebbles because for whatever reason I'm finding, like I have a bit of a gluten intolerance. And so like trying to stay away from that a little bit um, and fruity pebbles, I didn't know this. I just found this out a couple months ago are gluten free. And so they digest fairly easily for me. Um, and so at nighttime I'll have a, a decent sized bowl, 500 to 700 calories of, of fruity pebbles to fill in the rest of, of my calories for the day. And again, I've had some either like blueberries or strawberries for a snack in the day. I've had vegetables in uh, two of my meals throughout the day. Like all of that is in a good place. Sugar's decently low at that point, right? My fiber intake is, is decent. And then to finish things off, I have something that's a little bit more enjoyable, easier to eat a little bit lower in volume, higher in calories just to finish off my calories for the day. And that helps keep me in that just very moderate surplus. And it's not that like, If I switched out those fruity pebbles, those 800 calories of fruity pebbles, if I switch those out for something healthy, like let's say sweet potatoes or, or all fruits or something like that, those aren't those foods at that point where I've hit my nutritional markers that I need to hit with like multivitamins, my fiber, all that kind of stuff. If I've hit those markers, the end of the day, like if I choose to have something a little bit more fun when my calories are higher and that's easier to digest Like It's not going to lead to more fat gain as long as those calories are on point. My protein intake is where it needs to be. And so I think that's just a very important thing for people to understand. The foods you're eating do not directly correlate to weight gain, weight loss, but your diet as a whole and where your caloric intake and energy intake is ending up at the end of each day is what's majorly going to control whether you're gaining, losing or maintaining over the long run. And we look at it from that basis, yes, you want to include whole foods in your diet. You want lots of vitamins and minerals and fibers and proteins in your diet, but being flexible and understanding that having some foods that don't fit within those parameters, as long as you're hitting those parameters as well, it's not going to change your result as long as your calories are still where they need to be.
1: I'm really glad that you mentioned that because when you first asked the question, I actually totally like looked past the misconception of like the idea that like certain foods are going to, you know, make this person gain more body fat than others. So yeah, really important. There are tips and tricks to like raise calories, but at the same time, like eating healthy foods won't automatically put you in a deficit, you know, eating other foods that aren't as like quote unquote, like healthy, aren't going to make you automatically fat. It's just the distribution and like the amount of each kind of in relationship to your total daily energy burn. And that's the big kind of big picture idea of what we kind of spent the last little bit talking about.
0: Yeah. And if any of you guys are like, you've listened to this breakdown and you're wondering, well, man, I'm not sure where my calories should be. I'm not sure where my protein levels should be, all that kind of stuff. Like you're kind of in the dark. In the description down below, there's a link called lossandlifting.com backslash the macro starter kit. And that is a free guide that we give out 100% free where you go, you put your email address in. And then from there, you'll get emailed over the macro starter kit, which will break down for your specific situation, how to find your maintenance level of calories, how to go into a surplus, potentially how to go into a deficit, what adjustments you should make, where your protein levels should be at help you find, understand like where carbs and fats should be, or understand even if you need to be counting your carbs and fats in the first place, or if you can just focus on calories and protein, given your situation, I go into great detail in all of that, helping you set up your diet and even give you a bunch of recipes at the end with higher protein, lower calorie options that you can make work within the calories that you find out where you need to be through going through the equations and the explanations that I give. Um, So feel free to download that. That's always down there. 100% free for you guys. Just kind of as a starter kit to get you going with your nutrition, to start to learn those basic fundamentals on um, like food options, calorie intake, how to track where protein should be all that kind of stuff. So feel free to, to go down below and download that if you need to. Um, that's where we're going to end things. I think we're going to report record one more quick, like quick rapid Q and a cool with that.
1: Yeah. Sounds good.
0: Cool. So, so yeah, like I said, go down below. Um, download the macro starter kit. If you guys would like as always, as well, if you have questions or anything from the podcast where we dove into something or touch on it briefly, and you'd like me to explain it to you on a little bit of a deeper level, um, go down below to lostlifting.com backslash podcast. And there's, a, if you open that page at the bottom, there's a, a message box to where you can shoot me your messages. It will go directly to my email inbox. I'm happy to clarify anything for you and help. Um, and if I feel like those message or those, that question would be good for other listeners on the podcast, I'll bring that on to the podcast. and I Me and Alex will deep dive into it as well. So we appreciate you all for listening. The links to Alex are down below where you can follow him on Instagram as well, as well as all of my links for Instagram. TikTok, all that good stuff. So we appreciate you guys. Hopefully you have an amazing day and we'll chat with you very soon.